This is Canvas, a show all about iPad productivity. My name is Fraser Spears, and I am joined once again by Federico Vitici. Hey, Fraser, I'm back. It's you're back. <laughs> great to be on the show again. I I missed I missed the show. I missed podcasting, so it's good. it's good to be back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your your equipment meltdown was all recoverable. <sighs> no, the equipment with the application of money, but <laughs> with the by using this yeah. technique called spending money, I was able to get new equipment. Uh, very expensive equipment uh, mm. as I was on vacation on an island I needed to order this uh, new USB interface from Amazon and have it delivered in Rome it was an entire thing uh, but I'm back and it's working it's working well so far so um, here's an here's an idea why don't we go over what's happening with iOS 12 because just this week we received official word from Apple mm-hmm. that there's going to be an event on September 12, which means iOS 12 is likely coming out a week after that, possibly September 19th, like last year, um, which means it's, it's important for our listeners to get ready for iOS 12. And I wanted to go, I wanted to go over some of the main functionalities of iOS 12 and some of the features that will change with this update which means people will have to get ready and prepare for those features. Does that yep. sound good? Sounds great. I mean, I'm assuming you've been on the beta versions for most of the summer as I have as well. And I've I found it to be probably the most stable, perhaps the most reliable beta version that I think I've probably ever used on iOS. I think it, it was perfect almost from the first. I say perfect. I mean, obviously there were small bugs here and there, but in terms of putting it on your day-to-day phone. I put beta one on, I think, and have been very happy with it ever since. Yeah. I mean, from a performance standpoint, I really think it's the best version of iOS to date. Um, everything is just a bit faster. There's fewer, you know, those random sort of uh, home screen crashes and reboots. Um, and, and the performance of simple things like typing on the keyboard or opening the share sheet or expanding a notification everything is just a bit faster and a bit more natural mm-hmm. so that's pretty awesome but also from a from a consumer perspective uh, there there are actual different things from iOS 11 even though i i almost feel like iOS 12 isn't as um, as noticeably different um uh, as iOS 10 or iOS 11, there are the 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 features that are changing in 12 are more subtle and more that you need to go look for them. Uh, I, I almost feel like, especially yes, yeah. especially if you're on an iPad. Uh, it you know mm-hmm. last year was a big change with the dock and the multitasking. Uh, this year it's more of sort of um, some system enhancements that are still important, but I, I don't think, you know, they're not like a new messages app or a new notes app or, you know, um, no. an emoji that was new last year. It's a bunch of enhancements and a bunch of and a bunch of fixes and improvements uh, that are still worth covering, though. Yeah, I, mean, I think the way I think about it is that it's more about uh, system level usability rather than actual productivity. If that distinction makes sense, you know, it's like your day-to-day interaction with your device gets smoother and simpler and, and easier, but there's not really a new, there's no real new app, I suppose, apart from shortcuts, really. But, you know, we've had something quite like shortcuts in, in the form of workflow, but you've also got Siri shortcuts, which is a new level integration. And that might be the that might be the one thing in iOS 12 that's a real productivity improvement. 
Whereas a lot of it is just nice usability improvements all over the system. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So the main feature that I that I think uh, most people will appreciate, um, which is also one of the features that most people will likely notice right away, is uh, the changes to notifications. Um, finally, in iOS 12, Apple has brought back uh, uh, grouping notifications by app, which used to be a feature back in the days of iOS 5 up until iOS Mm-hmm. eight or nine maybe uh yeah something like that but the way they brought it back makes it so much better than what it used to be um so using the using the new uh, ios 10 notification design which is those you know translucent cells on the lock screen uh ios 12 will group your notifications by app um and what you can do is by default um multiple notifications go into a stack and you can tap on on the on the leading notification in the stack to expand it. Um, and when you expand a group of notifications, you will get a button that lets you collapse the group again, or you can tap on individual notifications to open them. Um, but also, what iOS 12 does is it allows developers um, to group notifications so not only by app but also by thread and by app at the same time, which means the same application can collect multiple groups of notifications. Uh, A good example of this is, for example, Apple News. If you use Apple News, you will get grouped notifications for individual channels that you subscribe to. So if, I don't know, the BBC sends you multiple alerts throughout the day, they will go into the BBC group. And if the, uh, The Verge sends you news during the day, they will go into separate The Verge group. And this ability to group by thread is not a new API. It was introduced, I think, in iOS 11 uh, for messaging apps. There was an API for developers of social and communications apps to um, to group their notification their alerts by thread. And now this can be used by any app. And when you use this feature, uh, the grouping makes so much so much sense to me. In that you will see notifications grouped by app by default. But optionally, uh, and this is all up to the developer, uh, and, but it's also a user customizable feature, uh, you will see these multiple groups by app in that you will see, hopefully, for example, if Slack adopts this feature, you will see alerts for separate Slack channels create multiple mm. uh, group, uh, group uh, notifications. Or you will see, I don't know, uh, different types of Twitter alerts, um, whether it's DMs or mentions, they can go into separate groups. And it's sort of similar to what Android does with channels, but it's more uh, it's more done automatically by the app itself. So the developer needs to support the grouping by thread, um, and you can customize the behavior in settings. And if you want, you can disable grouping altogether if you want to go back to the standard you know cascade of notifications. But by default, iOS twelve tries to do this intelligent grouping, and I think it works well. But um. Uh, you know, it, it depends on whether developers will adopt this or not, I suppose. Yeah, I, I think as with many things in, in iOS betas, you only really get the power of it once developers start adopting it. I mean, the, the iOS ecosystem is so app-centric that so much of the value comes from when the apps, you know, take on board some of these things. And I hadn't quite appreciated what you were talking about there, but you can imagine that a developer knows what kinds of messages go through its system and, you know, could group them appropriately. And, and, and that's, uh, 
It's definitely something that's uh, probably going to be welcome. You imagine the Gmail app, for example, you, you're basically getting the threaded conversation view on your lock screen if Google do it right. Yeah, yeah, that could yeah. that could all be done. I, and I can imagine alerts from YouTube, you know, videos from different channels could be different groups. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and this all ties into uh, what Apple refers to as instant tuning, which is the ability essentially to uh, manage notification settings right from the lock screen or notification center, which are, by the way, as a quick aside, after the weird terminology of iOS 11 with the cover sheet and the difference between mm. the cover sheet and, and the lock screen, now everything is simple again. Notifications are either on the lock screen, which means they are new notifications. You just pick up your device, you see notifications on the lock screen, or they are in notification center, which is when you swipe down as you're, while you're using a device, you open notification center, or from the lock screen, you swipe up and you go into your old notifications. So basically, new notifications, okay. lock screen, old stuff, notification center. Anyway, okay. you can swipe. Nice and easy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> finally, you can swipe on notifications. You can swipe to the left and you will get this new manage button that when you tap it, it, it brings up this contextual action sheet um, with buttons to change the notification settings right there without having to open the settings app. Um, and there are two main options here. The first one is to turn off the notifications for an app entirely. Um, if you have an app that is nagging you with, a, with notifications you don't want, like a game or a social app that is you know, sending you way too many alerts, you can mute it right there from the instant tuning panel. Also, what's interesting is the new Deliver Quietly option of iOS 12. And Deliver Quietly, what it does is a single button that encapsulates multiple settings at once. So Deliver Quietly changes the setting of, a, of an app's notifications so that they go straight to Notification Center without badging the icon, without playing any sounds, and without showing you any alerts. All of this was possible before, but you needed to open the settings and flip all of the switches manually and separately. So this is a single button that basically turns off multiple settings at once. And Fraser, I gotta tell you, I love this idea of like, yeah. it's a single action that is explained in, in plain English, but it, it was also possible before, but it was only basically uh, understood by nerds and by people who mm -hmm. spend way too mm -hmm. much time fiddling with settings. Yeah, I, I've, never th I've never really liked the design of the notification settings and, and settings in the sense that there's a lot of different options, but it was never all that clear how they all interacted with each other. You know, you had your banners and your, you know, your modal notifications and whether or not you had a sound and whether it was shown in the lock screen and whether it showed a preview and all these different things. And I think this is hopefully the first step towards a, a significant simplification of that. You know, like, I mean, really what you want is as a user, you you come to that and you think, do I want like stop the world information if this ever comes up or can I, can you just keep it for me and I'll get it later? And I think we're start you're starting to see that a little bit where this deliver quietly setting is sort of, it's very much off to the side, you know, it doesn't even come on the lock screen. I kind of think what I might be interested in is somewhere a wee bit in between where 
you know, I feel like if I was going to turn on Deliver quietly for anything, I would just turn off notifications altogether, you know, because um, I'm, I'm pretty strict, I think. I don't know how you are with how many notifications you let through, but uh, I only really let through yeah. uh, what I do, mail, messages, overcast, and YouTube, and that's about it. Everything else is just off, and I'm I'm really judicious about if yeah. if you ever annoy me one time with a notification, <laughs> your app is jailed instantly, you know, and uh, and sometimes deleted if it's if it's sufficiently bad. But uh, it's interesting, and I think it, it it hopefully is the first step towards a, a greater simplification and, and more focus not on what kind of things does the system let you tweak, which is kind of what the interface is at the moment, and more the user's intent as. I really want to know about this or I'll get to this later, you know, and, and there's probably a, a scope for more than one setting like that. But I think we're we're on the way to something really nice there. Yeah, I think they're sort of leaning into the idea of um, people who use notification centers sort of like an inbox uh, where multiple yeah. times a day they open notification center and they go through their um, missed notifications. So the idea of having notifications go straight r- there without playing sounds sort of feeds Mm -hmm. into this concept of multiple times during the day I open this list and I manage this list and so when you when you have grouping and you have this this sort of workflow for notifications it kind of makes sense but also like you I try to be very judicious with the notifications that I allow so Mm -hmm. I don't I haven't found myself switching to this behavior of opening notification center and going through my notifications as if it were an email client I, I don't use it like that. Yeah. I don't use it like that. No, no, neither do I. And I wonder if that's maybe a slightly generational thing. I you think know, so. Older yeah. iOS users, uh, those of us who kind of got into using iOS before it was really designed in that way, perhaps maybe don't look at it that way. And I think uh, one of the big differences between iOS and Android, of course, is that iOS doesn't, it doesn't give you any visual indication while you're using the device that there's something that you have, there's an unread thing in the notification center. You know, there's nothing in the status bar that tells you, hey, there's something up there that you haven't seen yet. And I appreciate that to a certain extent, but if you are going to want to, you know, if, if people are being encouraged to use it as a as an inbox like that, then that's why I never do, because I always forget there's anything in there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I think, I suppose I kind of tend to use my lock screen as my inbox. You know, if there's something I need to know, uh, and it's sufficiently important that I want to know it as soon as it's happened, it's going to be on the lock screen. And if anything falls below that threshold, I don't actually want to be notified about it at all. Uh, so it, it's very interesting to think about that. And I, I may consider trying that as an option, but at the moment, that's not my habit either. Um, there's also another um, feature that I wanted to quickly mention before we move on to Do Not Disturb. Um, mm-hmm. It's this new API called Provisional Authorization. And what it allows is for an app to skip the traditional uh, permission request um, prompt for notifications. Um, And an app that uses the provisional authorization, it can send you notifications without your explicit consent, but they they go directly in notification center in deliver quietly mode by default. (laughs) So the idea would be, when you open an app the first time and it asks you right away, do you want to allow notifications? Do you want to allow location access? Do you want to allow yeah. this? Without having to use the prompt, um, an app can send you a real notification so you have an idea of what it looks like, but it doesn't bother you. 
So when mm -hmm. you open a notification center, you see the real thing, and then you can decide, well, I might actually want to keep this, or no, I mm -hmm. don't care, turn it off forever. Um, so does an app get to send you unlimited notifications in that way, or is it limited to one or two? Unlimited notification in, deliver, in quiet delivery mode. Uh, okay. And the first one has two special buttons that say keep mm. sending notifications or turn it off. Um, so okay. it's a, they, they, they create their own little group and the first one always shows you this mm -hmm. special UI at the bottom that says this is a test notification, do you want to keep it or do mm -hmm. you want to turn it off? Yeah, that's, that's not unreasonable and that does kind of lean in much further to the idea of notification center as a kind of system-wide inbox, yeah. if you like. I I think that, that could be interesting, you know, and uh, I mean... I don't know how you feel about it, Federico, but since GDPR became law in Europe, it's you know you're you're signing a contract every time you go to a web page now, and it's just unbearable. And I think uh, all we're doing is training people to click OK on everything that oh my comes God. Up in front of yeah. them. You know, uh, you know, do you want calendar access? Do you want photos access? Do you want notification access? Uh, do you want to have cookies on every web page that you go to? And it's becoming unbearable. It really is. And this this whole idea of like explicit consent for every single thing you do is honestly putting me off using computers at all and like get me a paper book i'm sick of this you know um so I, I think anything apple can do to sort of not have to throw a contract in your face every time you want to use a feature i think would be and i appreciate i appreciate and understand the privacy implications of it as well but there has to be some sort of system-wide way of expressing one's preference once rather than uh, all time, you know, or, or at least subtly showing you that an app is going to use your microphone, maybe with something in the status bar rather than just a constant, you know, interstitial uh, modal dialogue that you have to click uh, past every time you want to do a feature. It's, yeah. It's, it's getting unbearable. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, I know. All right, moving on. Um, do Not Disturb is getting some interesting new options in iOS 12. Not a not a huge update, but still some some welcome little changes. Um, nice integrations, I would say. Yeah, um, yeah. the control center um, button for do not disturb has new options for enabling do not disturb for a limited time period. I think the default is for one hour, uh, or until you leave a location. So this is kind of interesting. If you are at the movies or having dinner with your partner and you wanna do, uh, disable notifications just for that activity uh you can say until i leave this notification this location don't bother me so enable do not disturb and then when you leave do not disturb will be disengaged uh, automatically by the system uh, which is kind of nice also if you have a calendar calendar event scheduled soon or going on uh, when you open control center you will see this new option that says that says um enable do not disturb until the end of this calendar event so same idea if you have a meeting or if you put your personal events on the calendar, you, you can say, until this event is over, uh, I don't want to see any notifications. So enable do not disturb. Uh, and the last one is the bedtime option of the clock app that was introduced, I think, last year and now features a native do not disturb integration, which is called do not disturb during bedtime, a uh, very original name. Um, but what it does is when bedtime is uh, activated by the system on a schedule, um, do not disturb is activated automatically as well. And when you wake up in the morning, when the bedtime is 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 over and you're supposed to be to be awake, 
um, when you pick up your device the first time, you don't see your lock screen. So you don't see your whole list of notifications, but you see this nice message in the middle of the screen that says, good morning, and it gives you the weather. <laughs> uh, and so rather than picking up your device and sort of being being shown this crazy list of, you know, hundreds of notifications, you just see good morning and the weather. See, in Scotland, the, the number one thing that makes us angry in the morning is the weather. So, <laughs> you know, if whatever Donald Trump tweeted is not a big deal compared to how cold and wet <laughs> is, is for most of the year. So, Well, yeah. depend, depends where you live, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> it does. But still, you can dismiss this view and then you move on to the lock screen so you yeah. can see all of your notifications. Um, I like these options, especially the, uh, the one-hour uh, shortcut in Control Center and the mm -hmm. location integration. I still wish that Do Not Disturb was a little more extensible. Like, I want to create custom schedules for individual days. I don't want to have a single schedule. I want to have custom schedules for uh, weekdays and weekends so that I can enable Do Not Disturb yeah. on different yeah. days. I want to have app-specific overrides. Like, I want to say always enable Do Not Disturb or disable Do Not Disturb for this app. Like, I want to enable Do Not Disturb for everything but keep WhatsApp sending me notifications, for example. And that is not mm -hmm. as easily uh, possible, uh, definitely not with app-specific uh, settings in Do Not Disturb, um, hopefully in the future. Yeah, I, th I think the app-specific thing is quite important. I have a friend who lives in Colorado, Fraser Hess, and he, he texts me when he's awake in Colorado and I'm asleep, and then I wake up to his text and I don't know whether I should text him back or not because he might be asleep and uh, or during the day or whatever and... Um, he's on call. He he's a an IT guy, and he has to go on call. But he, he's not on call through like the phone app. There's a special app that his company has, and so he has to sleep with Do Not Disturb turned off whenever he's on call. Right. Uh, so that so that this app's notifications can get through and, and VoIP calls can get through or whatever. And you know he he's in that situation exactly where he wants Do Not Disturb, but just not for that particular app, and he can't do it. So he's got to and and quite often I wake him up with text by mistake because oops, time zones are hard. But sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. Have you played with screen time at all? I have actually. I I think I would say this is probably one of the areas where I've spent more time in iOS twelve than others. And what I did was I, I also put my, my older two daughters have got iPhones and I put their phones on the public beta as well just to get a wee nosy at what they were doing on their phones. And it was absolutely fascinating what they were doing. Uh, and also it was very interesting what I was doing as well. And I, I suppose counter to the common narrative, I I looked at my usage and I did not feel in any way that my usage was in any way excessive. It's like, well, you know, my phone, I spent a fortune on it. I should be able to use it with how I want and not have to uh, feel feel bad about it at the same time. You know, like, you know, let me just use it. So I found it very, it, it, it's been a mixed thing because Apple has all the way through the beta reset your stats every time you get an update. So, and you've got to go back in and turn it on again after that, at least in several of the early betas. So it's hard to have a, a long-term overview and my, my weekly changes are a bit unreliable because of that. But what I, what I discovered about my own iPhone usage was that uh, <laughs> all, all I do on my phone is uh, go on Twitter and watch YouTube videos and listen to podcasts. <laughs> and uh, so my, my main takeaway was uh, I, I don't really need an iPhone 10. I should probably have a cheaper iPhone. <laughs> I don't know if that's the intended effect from Apple, but that was how I kind of came, came away from it. It's interesting that it doesn't really seem to count 
if you say listen to podcasts, it doesn't actually uh, it doesn't actually add up all the time you spend listening in the background. So it's more screen on time that's yeah, measuring yeah. rather than rather than just uh, total time using the device in any way at all. Um, so that was interesting for me. I found I found my kids were a bit more. Um, they certainly spent longer on the device, I, I, although they didn't pick it up as often because they don't really use it at school. Uh, obviously, and I certainly do use mine at school from time to time, but I noticed several days where, you know, it was busy time before nine o'clock in the morning, absolutely nothing during the day and then use in the evening. And that, that was how most of my work days went when I was using it at work. Uh, but it, I think it's interesting. I think the the controls are good. Uh, I have uh, from time to time implemented them with the kids uh, and I think they helped a little bit. You know, my, my middle daughter is, is hugely into slime videos on YouTube and I, I don't understand this at all. I'm, I'm concerned about the whole thing, <laughs> but um, she's she just watches slime videos all the time. And apparently there are now sub-genres of how to make slime and there are different categories of slime artwork and all this kind of stuff. So it's it's becoming a bit of an art form in its own right. Uh, so I noticed, we, we just sort of looked at it together and I said, Beth, look, look at the number of hours on YouTube here. And she's like, oh, yeah, right enough. That's that's not great. So I think its main use is just going to be not, you know, making people aware of their usage rather than uh, rather than necessarily always enforcing. And I think, you know, if, if I was advising parents on this, which I'll, I'll just go ahead and do because I will, um, I think perhaps the opening a conversation about usage rather than immediately enforcing the limits might be the best way to go. It's certainly been quite effective for us. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been fascinating to look into the the screen time stats, not just for um, uh, not just for uh, like the actual usage of apps, but uh, the other statistics for like device pickups or notifications mm -hmm. sent by individual apps, and that sort of paints a fascinating picture into my habits at least. Like, what times mm. of the day am I using Twitter a lot, or? Uh, when when is it during the day that I get the most notifications from Slack or messages? Um, so that's mm -hmm. that's been both scary and fascinating at the same time in that when I realized I'm getting hundreds of Slack messages, uh, I was like, maybe I should turn off, you know, alerts for every channel that I'm on. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a, that was sort of eye opening. And I, I suppose it will be for for a lot of people, too. Yeah. And in terms of the notifications, I found that my. My number one notification source was G the Gmail app, and then second it was Messages, which are the two you would sort of expect, and and the next one was Overcast, and then YouTube. Uh, so I, I, it wasn't like I was being bothered constantly. It was quite interesting, and, and I found that the overall number was quite low, and I think that sort of speaks to the way I have been quite judicious in turning off notifications or denying notifications from certain apps. But of course, when you get when you're living in a Slack-centric world, for example, that's yeah, that's obviously part of the point of Slack unless you're sitting with it open all the time. Um, all right, I want to quickly talk about the iPad, and I say quickly because there's not a lot to talk about. Um, the main change in iOS 12 for iPad is the adoption of the iPhone X interaction model. Um, Control Center is now accessible from the top right of the screen from the by swiping down from the status bar, and... The, there are new gestures to access the dock and open multitasking and go back to the home screen. Just like the iPhone 10, quick, uh, quick swipe from the bottom, you go back to the home screen. Uh, swipe and pause uh, opens the dock and longer swipe and pause um, opens multitasking. Now, I gotta say that 
it started out and it was really rough. Like the distinction between opening the dock and going back to the home screen. The first few betas were the I don't know about the gesture and the threshold for the for the pause, it was all wrong. I think it's gotten better during the betas. And I think now it's easier to get used to that in beta one or beta two. Conceptually speaking, I'm still against the idea of telling people you should pause with the gesture. Uh, we, we've, I think we've talked about this before on the show. Any gesture that requires a time limit or any kind of pause, uh, it's, it's not easy to explain, it's not easy to remember, especially if you're not exactly proficient when it comes to you know, tech products. Um, I think it's better than the first betas, I I gotten used to it and and um, and uh, and it's fine really. Now I know that you know what the what the time threshold for the dock is. I worry that you know people like my mom or my friends that don't read tech blogs, they don't follow betas, um, will will take more time to get used to this. Obviously, all of this has been done in preparation for an edge to edge iPad without a home button, uh, which, you know, the rumors are saying there's going to be an iPad Pro with an iPhone 10 like design. So we'll see, we'll see how it works on that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, this was, we, we could be talking a year ago and talking about the gesture timings in iOS 11 as well. And I remember going on quite a long rant on the show about that problem in iOS 11. And, and certainly the the durations and the whole durations and the timing thresholds were all tweaked over the course of iOS 11 as well. To, and I suppose to some extent we, we habituate to them and we learn, but I think that conceptually you're absolutely right that anything where you have to pause and wait for some, wait, wait, wait for nothing, basically, you know, you're essentially, you're waiting for the computer to stupidly figure out that you're doing gesture A and not gesture B because the exact same physical movement is overloaded in two ways um and, and ios 11 still has the same problem and you know just yesterday I was, I was teaching some kids who were had moved up into our secondary department i was showing them some ios productivity tricks because they're obviously going to need to work faster as they move into secondary and even then you know a year into ios 11 some of the kids still believe that you couldn't multitask with an application unless you put it in the dock first and that that's a persistent legend now about ios 11 that you can only multitask with 12 apps because that's the number you can put in the dock. And uh, some of these uh, these gestural, like we're now, we've gone from, in, in early versions of iOS, most of the interface was visual with a gestural shortcut to now a world where the interface is, is primarily gestural with, with no visual interaction at all. And I think uh, that's a foundation that I'm not sure is going to, uh, be one for the ages. I don't think it'll be able to bear the weight that's being put on it. And I think that was true in iOS 11. And I think it's increasingly true in iOS 12. And you, you got to feel for the people whose motor, fine motor skills aren't as good because they're going to find it harder not to trip over one or the other. You know, if you have a slight tremor in your hand and you, you can't hold it just quite long enough or something like that, that's always difficult. So yeah, we'll just have to see how that goes. But I feel like, you know, the more people I see using iOS 11 and presumably iOS 12 as well, the more I'm seeing like, you know, cargo cult interface interactions because people have these beliefs about how iOS works that aren't actually true, but the interface doesn't actually give them any way to know that they're not true. And, and that's quite a challenge for, for Apple going forward, I think. 
Yeah, uh, got nothing else to say. <laughs> what you said. Okay. Uh, before well, we move on to shortcuts yeah. and other changes, I think we should we should take a break. We should. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom, the company who make website performance monitoring really easy because everyone loves a fast website and Pingdom are helping to keep your favorite sites online. Netflix, Amazon, Spotify, Twitter, BuzzFeed, Slack. These are just a few of the companies that trust Pingdom to keep, take care of their website monitoring. Websites can get pretty complicated, but you can monitor any site transaction with Pingdom. Stuff like user registrations, logins, checkouts, and much more. Pingdom care about your users having the smoothest site experience possible, and if disaster strikes, you'll be the first to know. It's super easy to get started. All Pingdom needs is your URL, and they'll take care of the rest. That is it. Go to pingdom.com slash reallyfm right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. When you sign up, use the code CANVAS at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom for the support of this show and Really FM. All right, so we talked about shortcuts uh, with Jason Snell in a, in a past episode of Canvas. So if you're looking for an overview of the shortcuts app, um, that's definitely the place to go. There have been some changes, including uh, just yesterday, a new shortcuts beta came out and it's got finally iCloud sync uh, between your devices. It's got a bunch of... Um, a bunch of actions that were removed are back. So uh, definitely, you know, Apple is keeping up with the development of the Shortcuts app. And it's, uh, you know, again, if you want to have a full overview, you should listen to that episode. But I want to share some details about the system shortcuts, which are different from the Shortcuts app and uh, other things about Shortcuts that I that I didn't cover uh, on that episode. So there's a difference. Uh, I actually um, lead my review of shortcuts, the, the, the chapter of my review with this. There's a section between uh, uppercase shortcuts and lowercase shortcuts. Um, lowercase shortcuts are um, individual app actions that you can either search for or are recommended to you uh, by the system using Siri. So Siri as, a, as an intelligence uh, sort of layer in iOS is not a new feature. Apple has been labeling its uh, proactive um, functionality as Siri for quite some time now. And Siri can now recommend you um, these individual app shortcuts that can be actions that you previously performed. So for example, sorry. <coughs> so for example, if you check the weather in carrot weather, um, and if Carrot says, this can be a shortcut, you will see that shortcut for check the weather either being recommended to you in the spotlight search screen, or you can assign it a custom Siri phrase. So you can say, hey Siri, no, sorry, I don't need to say that. So you can say, Siri, check the weather, and you will get the Carrot UI as an extension come up from anywhere uh, in the system. And these shortcuts can learn from your habits. So if iOS 12 learns that, you know, every time in the morning you check the weather, you will say, here you go, here's a shortcut that allows you to check the weather. But it can also learn that you, I don't know, text your girlfriend uh, every day at noon or that you open a specific reminders list every day at 2 p.m. or that you enable do not disturb at a specific time in the evening. It can learn all of these uh, patterns and habits from you and it can suggest these actions that can be system actions, they can be third-party actions and these app shortcuts 
these Siri shortcuts can be simple in that they can just launch an app into a specific view or into a specific piece of content, or they can be uh, more complex in that they perform a task in the background. Um, from a technical perspective, these are based on two different APIs. One of them is the user activity, which is you, you take the user into a specific activity of an app, um, or they are based on SiriKit, which is the API that Apple introduced two years ago. And now it allows developers to create these shortcuts, these complex shortcuts that can do stuff in the background for you. You can check the weather with Carrot. Uh, you will be able to play audio in the background with a compatible podcast client. You will be able to run shortcuts from the shortcuts app in the background. Um, and the idea of letting, letting users not necessarily automate their devices in terms of classic automation, which is more like shortcuts and scripting and all of that, but giving them these little bits of time-saving actions um, that are recommended at different times throughout the day. And the more you use iOS 12, the more the system learns from you. And over time, when you swipe down to search or when you pick up your device and you see these shortcuts either on the lock screen or in search, and I think that can be useful, and, and especially with the, with the last few betas, I think the system has sort of ramped up its uh, suggestions. And um, I don't know if Apple has tweaked the engine or if it's simply you know learning more from me, but now when I swipe down, I can see all kinds of recommendations. You know, when I swipe down on the home screen for, to open search, I see shortcuts to text my friends at different times of the day or to log uh, my caffeine intake with, a, with an iOS 12 beta app that I'm testing. Uh, it knows that I tend to check Apple News in the evening, so it suggests Apple News in the evening. Um, it's very cool, and I think the it's an invisible system that doesn't require any prior knowledge of automation of any kind, but I think it will be... It's definitely one of the best sort of proactive features that Apple has done on iOS so far. Yes, it's kind of like proactive taken to the next level, isn't it? I... I noticed too in the last couple of betas more things being suggested to me and, and also in particular um, find my friends, you know, it would offer to find specific people. So, you know, my wife and, and, and my mother who I check up on sometimes, um, it would actually say, you know, find Carolyn or find Alison and, and uh, it would actually take you sort of deep into the application to do the one task that you it ob observes you doing on a regular basis. And the other thing I saw was... Um, in our school Google Calendar, if we have meetings that have a Google Hangouts link on them, there's a, a dial-in phone number in the notes. It's automatically inserted into the note of the calendar event. So whenever that calendar event was on, you you look in the lock screen and the phone application would be, oh, call into your meeting, you know, and it picked up the phone number from the meeting uh, in the calendar and I was offering to help you call into it as well. So yeah, stuff like that I think is going to be really nice. And I think the the distinction in the lock screen between things that the system's suggesting that you do versus just pure notifications, I think it's going to make it very interesting for people to see uh, different ways. And I think I may actually want more to come on the lock screen. And perhaps in some ways, if this gets smart enough to, to have the opportunity to maybe see more than just one suggestion on the lock screen. And I don't know if there is a limit or not. Maybe, Federico, you've seen more than that because you've maybe had more beta apps than I have. But it's it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out. But I can see uh, if the system can give you opportunities to smooth your path, then hitting you know custom things on the lock screen that come up are going to be really cool. 
Yeah, there's a, I figured there's a sort of a confidence threshold that iOS uses to say, uh, is this urgent or timely enough to be pushed up to the lock screen or can it just be, you know, suggested in search? And I've still, I've yet to see many uh, shortcuts on the lock screen. I've seen a, I've seen a handful so far. I think it really depends on whether iOS 12 decides this is urgent and the user needs to know right away. So let's put it on the lock screen. Um, also, these shortcuts, these app shortcuts that that we that we talked about, um, they can be they can be treated as actions of the shortcuts app. Now it gets quite confusing in that you can put shortcuts into shortcuts, basically. Um, but the idea <laughs> would be that all of these app actions that don't use you know stuff like url schemes those things they don't use that they are native actions that r- either run in the background or launch apps without showing you a, a url scheme they can become actions in the shortcuts app but they don't support setting inputs and outputs and variables they just execute inside of a shortcut that you put together um the idea would be that you can either perform tasks in the background so for example you could I don't know, read the contents of a document from a third-party app and set the text to the clipboard. You could do that with a native shortcut without having to open the app at all. Or if you run a shortcut inside the shortcuts app, you could be presented with a UI from the extension that powers the shortcut. Just today, for example, I was testing the beta 4 of shortcuts. And finally, you can... uh, I'm also testing a beta of Carrot Weather. uh, And you can now show the UI of the carrot weather shortcut inside the shortcuts app. So the idea would be these app actions, uh, these app shortcuts can become actions in a, in a custom shortcut that you create, um, which is interesting. And I want to see sort of how developers will take advantage of the clipboard, for example, as a way to transfer data back and forth, because it's the only way, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think that we can look forward to some people being, you know, uh, very creative with what they come up with and uh, other developers, you know, it, it'll take time or whatever. But I think, you know, you can imagine, I'm, I'm so Google Drive centric at work these days, but Google Drive has this idea of files that you use on a regular basis. It sort of has an AI system to choose, you know, yeah, files that you open regularly at this time or files that you've opened recently this week and, and you know, be able to offer up some of that as, as serious suggestions and shortcuts is potentially very interesting too. Um we we mentioned this on the uh, on the previous um, episode uh, about shortcuts that we're going to link in the show notes. Um, but some of the highlights of the new actions in shortcuts, uh, you can run JavaScript uh, you know, on a web page in Safari from the share sheet. Uh, so you, you, wow. yeah, you can execute any JavaScript that you want, and you can That's cool. yeah, you can even set um, so you can alter the contents of a web page. Uh, so I have shortcuts, for example, that uh, speed up video playback in Safari. Uh, any any video element, I can speed up the playback rate uh, using JavaScript now, <laughs> uh, which I actually did for the Apple WWDC videos because they uh, mm-hmm. in the WWDC app, there's no playback rate control. So I figured I should just watch these videos on the WWDC website and I will change uh, the speed of the video player <laughs> with JavaScript. And it totally worked. That's great. Yeah, and it, it's actually yeah. triggering a WebKit API. Uh, from JavaScript, it's wild. Um, yeah, uh, you can also. Um, I mentioned you can run your shortcuts from Siri, 
Um, this happens with the new add to Siri feature of iOS 12, uh, which you will see in a bunch of apps and you will be able to manage in settings, uh, Siri and search, my shortcuts. That's the, the page where you can see all of your custom shortcut phrases. Um, and you can also have um, shortcuts, meaning workflows, that show you custom responses inside Siri. So Siri can read any text you want um, by using this new action called show result. So you can put any text you want and make Siri say funny things. Um, <laughs> finally, there's a bunch of features in iOS 12 that we, we should cover and mention briefly. Um, there's a new pre-installed app called Measure, which is Apple's first official ARKit app. It's a, it's a measuring tape app that allows you to measure mm -hmm. things with AR, with the camera. It's a, it works pretty, pretty cool. It's free and it's pre-installed. And I guess Apple really wants people to know that ARKit is a thing. Um, mm -hmm. The news, stocks, and voice memos apps have been redesigned and made compatible with the Mac. So it means that on the iPad, you will get these new sidebar-based designs for these apps Voice memos, of course, and stocks are new to the iPad, and they have a sidebar because it means they also have a sidebar on macOS Mojave. Um, iBooks has been fully redesigned as Apple Books. Um, it's got this beautiful new design. We had a, a we had an in-depth overview on Mac Stories, uh, new UI, new typography, new uh, new reading now section, uh, new bookstore, new curated section. It's a massive, massive update. To the to the uh, sort of the main view of iBooks and the store, the reading view is still the same. But I I gotta say I really like the you know the reading now and sort of up next uh, feature for the the main page. I think it's really cool. Um, FaceTime group calls uh, were demoed at WWDC, but they are not happening with iOS 12, which is coming out, I think, in September. They will be uh, coming to FaceTime later this fall, uh, still in 2018, Apple is saying. Um, but the FaceTime app, FaceTime app is new anyway. It just means it's got a new design for one-to-one -one calls. Uh, and it's got this new effects camera which is also supported in messages that allows you to place stickers on your face, <laughs> the same iMessage stickers that Apple launched with iOS 10. You can now put them on your face. So you can put a little hat on your face uh, in the real-time camera on, in FaceTime. You can also turn yourself into an Animoji or a new Memoji in iOS 12, which is, you know, you can turn yourself into a cartoon character. Um, and finally, there's a bunch of changes to photos in that the Photos app has a new For You section that features these new sharing recommendations. So uh, sharing suggestions that photos generate based on people recognized in your photos uh, through facial recognition and machine learning, you can now share those photo sets with somebody else and that person can sort of send you back other photos that feature your face. It's sort of a, it's a way to exchange uh, photos taken with the same people at the same location at the same time. Uh, and also... Some people are going to hate this, but in, in iMessage, there's a new Photos app that uh, allows you to share photos. It means the, the photo gallery is gone from the main iMessage camera. You now need to use a standalone Messages app. So yeah, uh, do you, you have anything else yeah. uh, about iOS 12? Uh, just, just an observation that um, both Safari, Mail, and Calendar still haven't been updated again 
you know, we've I've said this a couple of times before, you know, Safari listeners know what I think about iOS Safari and, and it's increasingly, you know, difficult to maintain the illusion that it's full web compatibility. But also Mail and Calendar, which are, are sort of key fun, key productivity applications, they've, you know, iOS Calendar hasn't really been changed in quite a long time, I don't think, and um, Mail is in the same way. And it would be interesting to see whether or not those apps are going to get uh, some love maybe in iOS uh, 13 perhaps when if if as we perhaps suspect it might that may be more of a productivity release and less of a usability release and uh, it would be interesting to see that because you know you see some of these third-party calendars and uh, you know google calendar is very strong that way as well and it has all kinds of features about um, automatically setting goals for you across your calendar and the free blocks and things like that and you kind of want to see a wee bit more of that surrey smart also appearing in the inside individual apps as well, you know, and, and hopefully we can see some of that stuff coming out in future versions too. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I, yeah. I was sad to see no mail updates this year. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully uh, 13 will bring some, some substantial mail improvements. Yeah. I, I mean, part of, part of my concern for that Federico is that a lot of these third party applications, you're never entirely sure what's happening with the data behind them. You know, <laughs> like a lot of these third party mail applications in order to deliver some of the features that they do, uh, it's sort of like, oh, um, like just, we'll just copy all your mail onto our server as well. And then we'll, work, we'll, we'll do the magic there and then it'll appear on your device, you know, and, and um just a little bit concerned and I mean I trust Apple Apple applications completely in terms of you know security and privacy and things like that and I kind of want them to get those features so that more users who want I don't know snoozing or or whatever are are not pushed over into other applications that maybe aren't quite so fastidious about security as as Apple products are so Federico I think I'm really optimistic about iOS 12 I, I I get the sense that you are as well and particularly shortcuts I have not been on the shortcuts beta yet uh, and I've just been enjoying it through your observations so far uh, but I I think it's actually a really nice release I think it's got well, well it doesn't have you know the, the huge iPad overhauls that iOS 11 had I think that it's uh, it, it provides a lot of small usability tweaks all over iOS and you know, daily life on an iOS 12 device has been very, very enjoyable. And, and I'm really looking forward to the release. And the quality seems to be extremely high yep. as well. And that's always important for uh, to to not scare away people from, from updating to these new versions. So uh, it's two thumbs up for me, I think, for, for iOS 12. And I'm really looking forward to deploying it. Yeah, same. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, so this has been Canvas episode 67, I think, 67, getting ready for iOS 12. You can... Get in touch with the show at underscore Canvas FM on Twitter. On Twitter, I'm Fraser Spears. Federico is Fetici, and we'll see you next show.